It's that time again. Time for another episode of Point of Insanity Game Studios Geekery in General podcast. Now, my last couple episodes, I've had some guests, but my original co-host is back for a one-time engagement. How's it going today, Steve? It's going good. That's great good. to be back. Yep. So, uh, as I mentioned before, Steve is in the Navy, and he was on duty for a little bit, but I managed to catch him back for a weekend, so we're going to do a recording, and then we'll be back to my uh, other guests that I've had. Now, the last topic Steve and I covered, we discussed old school versus new school. Uh, we started out with old school video games and new school video games, uh, then moved on to role-playing games. Now, when we talked about role-playing games, we focused a, quite a bit on Dungeons & Dragons. And that's only natural considering it's, well, one of the most popular, well-known role-playing games in the world today. One of the game systems we grew up with. We played D&D for a, quite a number of years, and a lot of people out there probably have played Dungeons & Dragons or are at least familiar with it. So it would make sense that we would talk a lot about that game. Now, in this particular episode, we are going to talk about some non-Dungeons & Dragons games. Yes, they are out there, and we have played quite a few of them. So, Steve. Yeah. Let's start with a role-playing game that we played, uh, was it like last year when we you were on home leave and uh, you stopped up by my house? And that is a role-playing game based on uh, probably one of the best TV series ever made, which got canceled because networks are stupid. And that is, of course, <laughs> and the TV show I'm talking about is, of course, Firefly. And the role-playing game... Or Serenity, if uh, you just know the movie. Yep, and there are actually two role-playing games out there. The one we played was Serenity, and the new one is just called Firefly. Now, I, I haven't had a chance to look at it yet. Steve, is that one also made by Margaret Weiss Productions? Um, I think so, because uh, it was her that was offering it. Yeah, because they probably had the uh, the license. I'm sure they still have the license to it, at least to make the role-playing games uh, based on it. But uh, when Steve was up, we did have a chance to play a little bit of the Serenity role-playing game. Now, if we were to talk about old school or new school, how would you classify Serenity? Well, I would have to say that the concept would probably be new school, but the overall concept of tabletop role-playing would be old school. Yeah, and I agree. I think that if I had to place the Serenity role-playing game into new school or old school, I would definitely put it more old school. Uh, the reason is it it relied a little bit more on game master's discretion and imagination as yeah, a, ingenuity yeah uh, as opposed to hard and fast rules uh, as i recall the game mechanics were pretty simple uh, you had target numbers you had to beat based on the difficulty of the task you were performing and, and skill level of your character yep and the way that would work is it went anywhere from d2 to d12 and you know, of course, your character has 
you know, common attributes like agility, strength, vitality, uh, intelligence, and so on. Uh, but you also had different uh, skills you could do. And then you could also have uh, specialties of a skill, um, as I recall. Uh, for example, the I'm trying to think like firearms. Uh, I believe the way firearms worked is well, actually yeah, they had uh, the different classifications. You know, small arm, small arms like pistols, to medium to like rifles, to heavy or you know large like the heavy machine gun or cannons. Yep, and actually I'm looking at my PDF copy of it right now, and I happen to be on uh, Shepherd Books. Uh, profile page. Uh, for example, he has an agility of D8. Uh, he has the gun skill at D6 and then shotgun D8. So I believe the way that would work is like if uh, if Shepard Book was going to blow off your kneecap with a shotgun, because again, as the good Shepard said, you know, the Bible's very specific on what it says about killing, but it's a mite bit fuzzier on the subject of shooting out kneecaps. So let's say that shepherd book was going to blow your kneecap away. Um, so it, he would roll the D8, and then he would roll, you know, you, you'd roll the D6, and then you'd roll the D8, and then you'd add that all up, and then the final result was your, you know, your, your number, which you would compare to the, the difficulty of what you were trying to do. But let's say that, you know, shepherd book is just going to use a handgun instead. So in a situation like that he would just use the d8 and then roll the d6 uh, because he doesn't have any specific talent with uh, handguns so as i said a little bit more based on imagination and one particular uh, example i can think of is if you remember the now do you remember some of the uh, unarmed combat skills the characters had uh basically uh I think it was like brawling to the different styles of martial arts. Yeah, no, that's how I, as I recall it to it, uh, the way it would work is, you know, you had your unarmed combat skill, but there were also specialties. Like, again, since I have Shepard Book pulled up, uh, he has unarmed combat D8 and then karate D10. Uh, whereas uh, Zoe, uh, Mal, and Jane, for their unarmed combat skill, uh, not only do they have armed combat, but they all have brawling. And then uh, River, everyone's favorite psychotic uh, crackpot who could kill you in your sleep at any moment and kill, kill you with her brain if she wanted to. Hers is kind of interesting because it just says martial arts. So what the differences are supposed to be, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, as I recall, I don't think they actually went into too many, too much detail on that. I mean, yeah. I, I think it again, it's one of those things that they decided they would leave up to the game master's discretion. Um, again, uh, speaking as from my own experience as someone who studied karate and kung fu, you know, they're two different, very, they're two very different martial arts. So, for example, if I was going to get in a, in a fight and I was only going to use my Kung Fu knowledge, that would be a lot different than if I was just going to use my karate knowledge. So, yeah, I guess I guess it kind of depends on what you're going to do with it. But all in all, I had a lot of fun when we played it. What about you? I did, too. I just wish I could have more chances to play it. 
Yeah, and that's to uh, that uh, companion, uh, you know, role playing game system for the same series, Firefly. Yeah, it's one of those things. Once you get out of the Navy, well, you know, you'll have to come up, and we'll, you know, have to uh, have you come up for a weekend and just play play role playing games and drink so much Mountain Dew and Jolt that we hallucinate, right? <laughs> yeah, I wish I could find more Jolt. <laughs> yeah, I I think they still sell it. I mean, I I remember buying it at a gas station a few years ago, and what's actually kind of strange about it is the can is actually looks like a battery. Uh, for those who don't know. Uh, when we were younger, there was a company that made Jolt Cola, which their gimmick was twice the caffeine. So, you know, if uh, just if a can of Mountain Dew or, or, or Pepsi wasn't going to do it for you, just grab a jet, grab yourself a can of Jolt and twice the caffeine, you're good to go. Yep. Now, let's talk about some other role-playing games. Now, there is one that I know uh, you played with me once when you were up here. Do you remember uh, Marvel Superheroes when you yes. played that? Yes, I did. Yeah, and that's one that I have talked about. And in my episode with uh, my friend Casey, uh, when we talked about different gaming groups, we referred to the Marvel Superheroes campaign we ran at the our local uh, hobby store. And what do you remember about the Marvel Superheroes game? Well, basically, it, it helped me picture myself in the Marvel Universe, being the character I had created. Okay, and what about from a game mechanic standpoint, or don't you remember enough of it? It's been a while, I have to say, since I only played it that one time. Yeah. But I would have to say for that game, the leveling for that game sucked. Yeah, and that's one of the things that some people like about Marvel and some people don't. See, the way it worked, here's how it worked. Uh, when your character was first created, you had a certain amount of karma. And you gained karma by performing heroic deeds, and you lost karma by performing unheroic deeds. And we discussed this a bit in our alignment uh, podcast, you know, again, because we were talking about how uh, you know games use mechanics to encourage certain types of behavior and you could use karma not only to influence your roles but also gain new skills new powers and improve the level of your existing skills and powers but it was slow i mean it would take like thousands of points of karma to raise your skills uh one to, one level well not that much but like if you wanted to get something like on the same level as Thor or Spider-Man, uh, you know, characters of those level. Yeah, it would take a lot of, ex it would take a lot of karma in order to get that high. But other than that issue, it actually is a pretty good game. And one of the things I liked about it is the rule manual itself is only 64 pages long, but they pack quite a lot in there. And part of the reason is they really don't have a lot of artwork in the book. But like I said, 64 pages, and it gives you a very good, very uh, robust system. Because the way the powers work in that particular game, they're designed to be function more on an ad hoc basis, where uh, here's how it works. And then we may mention this a little bit, I don't remember, but uh, the way Marvel worked is 
you had a table with uh, several columns, and each column had a description or a heading, uh, which the worst was shift zero, and then it went uh, feeble, poor, good, or I'm sorry, feeble, poor, typical, good, excellent, remarkable, exponential or something like that. Yeah, incredible, um, amazing, monstrous, unearthly. Then you had shift X, shift Y, and shift Z. And then you had the class 1000, class 3000, class 5000, which were reserved for people like Galactus or gods or cosmic entities. Uh, each one of those abilities had its own column and each column had four different colors, white, green, red, yellow, and red. So the way the system worked is it used percentage dice. When you were performing an action, you rolled the percentage dice and you would consult your column. For example, Spider-Man, he has an agility of amazing because he's the amazing Spider-Man, right? So let's say Spider-Man was gonna do something really crazy with his agility, like try to do a triple somersault flip shoot a web, swing across the street, and pick up a, a puppy that is about to be ran over by a truck. So what the player using Spider-Man would do is he would roll the percentage dice, he would look on the amazing column, and then he'd find the result he got, and he would tell the game master whether he got a white, green, yellow, or red result. Uh, white results always failed. Green results succeeded for most basic actions, Yellow and red were necessary for more complex or more difficult actions, but they would also do uh, other things. And for example, if Spider-Man was gonna punch you, if he got a yellow result, there was a possibility he would uh, slam you, which would mean you would fly back a few spaces, or he, may, he might get a stun result, which means he might knock you unconscious. And it worked the same way with powers. And that's what I liked about it is because my group that I played with, they, they went just crazy with their powers. I mean, they found some really creative uses for uh, their abilities. And there were also rules for uh, combining powers. And again, my players made good use of that. There were three players in the party who had fire attack powers. So they could combine their, they could all use their turn to combine their power to create one super huge fire blast that would inflict more damage. So like I said, it, it, Marvel Superheroes, awesome system. Uh, one that's definitely worth checking out if you ever have the opportunity. So, I, I mean, when it comes to the Marvel Superheroes game, if I had to, uh, just if I had to classify it as either old school or new school, I would definitely classify it as old school because, you know, again, well, not only was it made in the 80s, but uh, just because it relies more on imagination and creativity than hard and fast rules uh, like a lot of the newer role-playing games do. Yeah. Now, now another uh, game that's been around for quite some time, uh, Vampire and the Masquerade from White Wolf. And of course, they have the similar ones, the like Werewolf, uh, Mage, the Ascension, Wraith. 
yeah, the Changeling, the Dreaming, and I think they also had Golem, the Created. Um, so the, and I know that they did, I believe they did make a revised version of the World of Darkness, but I personally have never seen it, so uh, I'm not too familiar with how that went, but I know I understand you played a little bit of those of those White Wolf games. Yeah, back when I first joined the Navy, I bumped into a group that was playing them, and they let me join in, so I had a little bit of experience of playing each of those systems at least once. Yeah, and I believe, didn't you also do the live-action version of one of the of the systems? Yeah, that was the vampire one. That was quite an interesting concept, uh, playing that in downtown San Diego. Yeah, from what I understand, a lot of the... Well, this is how it was explained to me by someone a long time ago. Um, they... The way the mind... I believe it's called the Mind's Eye Theater. Uh, with the the way the... the, the the way the White Wolf live-action role-playing is designed to work is it isn't, like, based all on, like, hand signals. So, in theory, you could have a group of people playing this game and, you know, to the uninitiated, they'd have no idea. Whereas the type of live-action role-playing I'm used to is the one where you get dressed in full costume and you've got padded buffer weapons and you're out in the woods hitting each other. Yeah, mine was more of the first one. Uh, do you remember anything about it, or just is it, do you not really remember too much of the mechanics of it? Well, basically, we we played it actually inside this mall. And we were actually looking for this object. So, we each played our little vampire character, because we played it at night, because that was when we got off of work. And it probably wouldn't make much sense to play a vampire game in the middle of the day, considering, uh, I believe in, in White Wolf, uh, vampires tend to incinerate in the sunlight. Yeah, there was the damage factor. Yeah, this was before the before Twilight and vampires could go out in daylight and be sparkly glowy. So. <laughs> yep. Basically, uh, we each had a random item we had to get, and the others we had to, basically we split into two, two teams. Mine was to find this object, and the others were to try and take us out. So now with the way, I don't know if you remember this or not, but uh, with the way that LARP worked, was there anyone that was like a game master that officiated it? Or did were, was everyone a player where you would uh, like meet up at the like a, a starting point and people when someone would say, OK, uh, team A, this is what you have to do. Team B, this is what you have to do. Now go out there and try not to freak everyone out. Yeah, basically. We had the one person who was uh, what we'd call the game master. He goes, okay, we split into our two teams. They handed us, you know, an envelope with what we could do and what we couldn't. And, you know, the game master played like the invisible master, you know, to make sure that, hey, <laughs> you got to be careful on what you're doing. Yeah, and I know live-action role-playing games are definitely a topic I want to cover in a, a later episode. Uh, again, because I know I've done uh, LARPing, and you know you've had your experience with LARPing, a different kind of LARPing, and uh, also our friend Dan, uh, who does a podcast called Radio Free Borderlands, uh, he also has done some LARPing as well. So 
maybe someday in the future that all three of us can get together and we can do an entire episode based on live action role playing. But yep, that's for the future. But yeah, as far as the White Wolf role playing game itself, um, the various uh, various factions of the White Wolf game, you know, vampire, werewolf, changeling, mage, they all use a, a very similar core mechanic where. Now, it's been a while since I've played it, so I don't know how much you remember, but it's based on the D10 where, you know, each action had a difficulty and you would have to uh, roll a certain number of successes. Yeah, I vaguely remember that. I also note it when you create your character, you know, you have your stats that you fill in, but then there was a certain skills and each skill had, you know, from zero to five in a level with five being the highest meaning you, you were like einstein on that topic yeah i mean uh, white wolf did have some very interesting games and one of the things i did like about the white wolf system is how all these different factions you know werewolf hunter vampire uh mummy you know they all they all fit into the same uh the same universe so it was kind of interesting because if you wanted to you can have a party where there was basically you, know, you could do a crossover. And I did like how White Wolf made it so that all of these different factions could work together in the same game. And the group that I used to game with in Waukesha back when I was in high school, we actually did a game where uh, the game master said that you could be a character from any one of the the White Wolf um, games. Now, I believe at this time, uh, there was just Vampire, Werewolf, and Mage. So I remember we had one Mage in the party, and I think we had, like... There's also Wraith. Yeah, this may have been... I don't remember. I think this may have been before Wraith. But it was interesting because we had a party where it was mixed. I remember there was one Mage in the party, and I think that I, I was playing a Werewolf, and I think there was another Werewolf, and then we had a couple of Vampires. And if you want to talk about a, a more obscure White Wolf product, they did actually make a Street Fighter II role-playing game based on, uh, the, the course, the popular video game series. So it used the same basic core mechanics as the other White Wolf books, except, of course, instead of having like a, a clan that you would belong to, Instead of that, you had your style, like karate or kung fu or wrestling or whatnot. So theoretically, you could also throw a, a, a martial artist in the mix if you wanted to. But a friend of mine and I did try doing a, a, a werewolf Street Fighter crossover. But as I recall, it didn't really work very well. And I believe while White Wolf did revise the World of Darkness, but I haven't played the new version yet. So I'm not sure how it's similar or how it's different. There's other game systems out there that people might know because other than, you know, the ones that we talked about already, like Firefly slash Serenity systems, there's been other game systems that have come out based on things or other TV shows, movies, video games and stuff. Because there's been the uh, Stargate SG-1 role-playing game that basically... The instruction guide for that, you can consider it more of a reference guide for the series. But 
they make it where you can do a tabletop version for that world. Then there's the ones that I know based on anime. There's Project Aiko I know of, Bubblegum Crisis. There's been Tenchi Moyo, El Hazard, Duel, Sailor Moon. Because most of those, you know, they all take the base concept of one game system, then they just center it on just one specific detail, like the Sailor Moon world. Yeah, no, I... Oh, go ahead. Because the uh, Sailor Moon, Tenchi, El Hazard, they all are based off the game system, big guy, small mouth. Yeah, and I know they... I know they came out with the D20 version of Big Eyes, Small Mouth. I have the book, but I never had a chance to actually play it yet. And it seems kind of interesting. It's, again, of course, based on the D20 system. But from what I read, it offers a little bit more flexibility. And it's kind of interesting. The In Big Eyes, Small Mouth, D20, or be some D20, your character classes are all based on stereotypical characters found in anime. Like, there's ninja, samurai, a gun bunny, a martial artist. You can be a priestess. Uh, yeah, magical girl, um, pet monster trainer, which, of course, would be a Pokemon trainer. Uh, see, there was, like, dynamic sorcerer, a mech pilot, uh, a big robot. So I thought that was uh, kind of neat the way they did that. And they included rules for using it with the... You know, of course, the, the D&D game. Because let's face it, you always wanted to play a half-orc magical girl, right, Steve? Oh, yeah. Yes, and I'm sure that's... Yeah, that's... wear the miniskirt. Come on. <laughs> and like I said, it just seemed a little more flexible than uh, the standard D20 system. Like I said, maybe one of these days I'll have a chance to actually play it. Now, uh, you mentioned the Dragon Age RPG. Now, I remember when we were talking about alignments... Uh, you mentioned that there was a system in Dragon Age where you could get characters trust or distrust or love or hate. Do you know if that was present in the Dragon Age RPG? Well, it's present in it. I forget the terminology that they call it at the moment because I really haven't had a chance to really play it. Because mm -hmm. uh, right now, Dragon Age RPG... The, ba the what they call the core system is broken into three parts. Mm -hmm. You got set one, which basically introduces you to the system. You know, plus it deals with like the first five levels. So levels one through five, they tell you how, and then they give you, you know, things about the races, you know, what the base jobs are and all that. And it gives you basically a touch of the sit of the game world then set two comes out and that's like level six through ten and that introduces more of the other races that are in that world you know some of the other what you would call uh like the gray wardens or the templars you know groups like that they say how you do do go with them and then the uh, third set that deals with 11 through 20 that just came out like a month ago, 
basically deals with the surrounding world of the of the universe and in, in introducing you know more of the outer realms of the people because the rpg is starts based if you people have played the uh, dragon age origins video game where it's all centered in Ferelden. That's basically where set one is centered in. And by set three, you got the surrounding areas you can now play in, like dealing with the new Dragon Age video game that's out, Inquisition. Okay. Yeah, and that's one thing I noticed was pretty common through the early 2000s and, you know, still into the current age, but I think it's kind of uh, died down a little bit is, it seems to be a little more common to make these role-playing games based on various intellectual properties. Because, uh, of course, there, there's been Star Wars role-playing games. There's been uh, Star Trek. Uh, I know D20, there was... Uh, I know you have the Stargate. Yeah, I got Stargate. I even have the Robotech, for those that know that world. Yeah, and the Robotech, is that D20 or is that... Wasn't isn't that Palladium that made that game? I think so. Yeah, and what can you tell us about the Robotech game? Because I remember playing it once, but it's been so long since I've seen the rules. I I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't it based uh, heavily on the Rift system where you've got like your standard damage and mega damage, and uh, you, know, you you use the same general stats? Yeah, I think so. Like you, it, it's been a while since I looked at the. Uh at those guides and much less even played a game of it. Yeah. And of course I'm sure there's lots of rules for nifty, uh, you know, Veritech combat and mech combat. Yep. Yeah. And cause I remember the, the one time I played it back in Waukesha, we were doing the third, the, the new generation era. Cause I remember my character was, you know, was a specialist in the cyclones, the motorcycles. Uh, if you want to talk about an interesting concept for a game, uh, one game I remember in high that I had in high school and played a little bit, Dream Park. Now, did we ever have a chance to play that particular game together? No, I can't say we did because uh, the name's not familiar. Well, in Dream Park, you're playing a character who is playing a character. It's kind of interesting. It's based on a series of novels. I think one of the authors is Larry Niven. And there's another author, author, but I can't remember his name right now. But the concept was interesting. Uh, you had, it, there was this futuristic amusement park called Dream Park, which is basically live action role playing taken to the extreme. And the way the, the player's handbook was really well written because you met up with different personalities from the book that would explain how the technical aspects behind how everything worked. And then, of course, there were a few short adventures and then there extensive character generation rules. Now, the thing that was interesting about this game is you chose your class, which there was like lore master, engineer, uh, thief, fighter, uh, martial artist, superhero, uh, psychic, and like magic user and cleric, I believe, were the... Uh, the classes, and then you could also multi-class. However, you could choose any one of the skills you wanted, um, as long as you had the game points to spend. 
So the way the game worked is at the start of each game session, you had, you were given different rules. Like for example, if you were going to be doing a Wild West adventure, but the game master didn't want to allow any magic, you, you would basically say, okay, here's what levels of technology are allowed and here's what skills are not allowed. So once you knew what technological uh, and skill limitations there were, then you'd have to take your game points and use them to buy skills. But like I said, you could actually buy as many, you could buy any skill as long as you had the game points for it. So just because you were, say, a fighter doesn't mean you couldn't purchase superhero skills like superhuman strength or superhuman body armor. It's just, it would cost you more points to do that. So again, some people may have liked it. Some people didn't. I mean, I don't know. How, how would you feel about playing a game where your character changes skills as often as you, as you change your socks? That would get confusing after a while. Yeah, and it, but other than that, it was a pretty fun game. My only complaint that I had about it is body armor in this game was huge. Armor absorbed damage, and there was no minimum damage rule. So basically, if you have 10 points of armor, someone hits you for 10 points of damage, you take zero damage. So if you have a player put a lot of their game points in the armor and other defensive abilities, it can become very hard to damage them. But one thing I will say about Dream Park, it did have one of the easiest scaling systems to create your NPCs. Um, what you would do is, you know, each character had different abilities like melee, hand-to-hand -hand combat, range combat, uh, dodge, etc. What you would do is you would, uh, first of all, to determine the base stats for your NPCs, you would find an average of all those abilities. Entries would also say things like fighter plus three. And what that would mean is uh, your the NPC was a fighter, and it would, you'd basically take the average uh, of each ability and you would add plus three to each of them. So if the average melee weapon skill in your party was six and you had a fighter that had a plus three rank, then, well, that fighter would have a melee weapon skill of nine. So as I said, it made it very fast, very easy to scale uh, your... Uh, your enemies to your party members well then on top of all these other things then you got the uh role-playing games that you yourself create ah uh, yes <laughs> like uh which one you want to talk about <laughs> well there's the one that i think i started out which started all of our ideas to bloom and i called that i think silvergate yep and off the uh Choose Your Own Adventure book, Wizard Warriors and You. Okay, I'm pretty sure that was the title. Yeah, I remember that. And uh, actually, I talked about that in my first episode, how uh, we used to make our own adventures based on that Silvergate and the other Choose Your Own Adventure books. And that's definitely a subject we're going to be, uh, you know, we want to address in a, you know, in its own show someday. Um. But yeah, then uh, I know you've also played the Demon's Layer game that I made when I was with Osalian Games. Uh, what were some of your thoughts on that particular game system, that, or at least what you can remember? 
Well, I've only actually played it once. I that was, you know, that was the one time that I uh, came home and we actually had everyone together that we could try it out. And okay. of course, one thing I do is I pick a race that you guys hadn't even thought up of oh, doing. Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah, looking back, it's interesting. I mean, when I look back at it, my personal memories of it are bittersweet. There are some things I really did love about Demon's Lair. There were some things where it's like, well, we could have done that, did that a little better. And there were some things where I look back and I'm like, what the hell were we thinking? It was full of things that, you know, again, looking back, sounded kind of cool at the time, but honestly, didn't really do much for the system itself. So, yep. I don't know. I mean, we've, I've seen reviews on it on RPG.net, and either I've seen mixed reviews. There are some people that, you know, actually gave it just an, a completely average review, but we also had people who loved the game and were fanatical about it. And uh, I don't know if I should be proud of this or not, but uh, there's this one author. I think his name is Ron Edwards. He wrote an article about uh, about fantasy heartbreaker role-playing games, and Demon's Lair was one of them in there. So, like I said, I don't know uh, if I should be proud of that or not. But, but it's nice to know that something you created at least got uh, some acknowledgement. Yeah, it did get some attention, and I don't know if, uh, like I said, I'm not always sure if it's a good thing, but like I said, Demon's Lair is pretty much dead, so there's uh, no use, you know, crying over, you know, crying about it. But, well, an another game I'm thinking about for more recent times, um, DC. I think it, Green Ronin is the company, but I know there's a game based on DC superheroes. And I played a couple sessions of it. It's kind of interesting in that it's more of a skill-based system. Uh, and from what I understand, you had points that you would spend, and you would use those to buy, of course, your powers, your abilities, and your skills. Now, when we played it, we used all pre-generated characters. So, I know, I guess I have mixed... I, I don't think I really got a fair chance of to play the system uh, because the game master that uh, was running the system for us, running that particular game, I don't know, he, he didn't really keep the group together. So after the second game session, everything just kind of fell apart. Um, but it does seem like an interesting system. Um, my particular character I played, the, it, the template was called Crime Fighter. It basically, it was a Batman type character. No superhuman abilities, but tons of skills. Sounds interesting. Yeah, and uh, there were different, I know there were different power levels you had. Uh, like we were playing, I think ours were like power level 10, which would be like your mid-range, where the highest one, like I took a brief peek at Superman stats, and he's like a power level 19 but yeah, like I said, it was kind of a weird two game sessions, but it's one of the games where if I had a chance, I would definitely like to try DC superheroes again sometime in the future. Yeah, those are uh, the only games I can think of in the at the current time. Uh, you know, again, we're kind of limited to games that we've either uh, played 
or that you know we've heard a, a bit about i mean of course i know there's tons of other systems out there uh savage worlds is one i've heard about uh, monster hearts uh fate uh fudge uh champions Rips. yep riffs uh, but again if we haven't really played or you know these games it's kind of hard for us to you know really talk too much about them and sound like we know what we're talking about so I think we're going to call it a night for this episode uh, and hope you enjoyed listening to us talk about some non-D&D games that we've played. Um, you know, of course, we understand that we've only scratched the surface. There's a gazillion and a half bit, uh, different role-playing game systems out there. So any other uh, closing thoughts, Steve? No, I can't say I do. Yep. So, yeah, if you have the opportunity, certainly uh, don't feel afraid to step beyond D&D. See if there's any other, you know, role-playing games out there. Who knows? Sometimes you'll uh, find games you like. And one thing that's nice is if you go to sites like DriveThruRPG, some companies offer quick start rules or demos of their game. So it gives you a chance to try the game for free without uh, having to invest a lot of money. And again, Wizards of the Coast is doing this, of course, with their uh, the, the D&D basic rule set for 5th edition. Definitely recommend picking it up if you have the opportunity, at least just to take a look at it. So with that said, uh, thank you again for taking the time to, out of your day to listen to us. Have a good evening or morning or afternoon, whatever it is, wherever you are, and happy game. Talk to you guys later. <laughs>